Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 51 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind here on the Basketball Podcast Network. Freshly back from Las Vegas, got a chance to see a couple of uh, summer league games in person. Talked to uh, the coaching staff, talked to some media members, and uh, was trying to set up a whole bunch of interviews. And uh, due to scheduling conflicts, a lot of things fell through. Do have one interview for you, and that will come up in today's Friend of the Program segment. Jim Peterson, longtime television analyst for the Minnesota Timberwolves telecast on Bally Sports North, joins me. We'll talk about the playoff series between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves and, of course, the massive trade that Minnesota made to bring Rudy Gobert to the Twin Cities. So we'll talk about that. Just tell you a little bit more about uh, Summer League, my observations, my experiences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to tell you that today's show of the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, they have been all about assisting young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12, developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. They help young men be great on the court and in the community, and uh, there are some NBA and major college players that have come through the Hoop City Basketball Club. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Right now, they are um, wrapping up one of their uh, their next-to-last basketball camp. Uh, they will have one more remaining. It'll be August 1st through the 4th at Independent Presbyterian Church on Walnut Grove Road here in Memphis. If uh, you want to register, go to hoopcitybc.com. If you have questions, you can reach out to Scott Robinson. His email is hoopcitycamps at yahoo.com. His phone number is 317-490-5948. So check in with Scott if uh, you want to register, if you have questions, and uh, get your young person involved in that and of course uh, our big time thanks to hoop city for their continued support of the grizz weekly grind and uh hey also a big uh, thank you to everybody who has reached out to me today uh as i said i'm recording this on wednesday july 13th it is my birthday it's a birthday that i share with harrison ford uh just felt I should throw that out there, but for all the people who have reached out to me, text, email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, brightening my day a little bit and helping me not to be so uh, incredibly sleep deprived after getting back so late last night. All right, so uh, back from Summer League, and uh, where where do we even begin? Number one, and I've told this to anybody who will listen, if you are an NBA fan at all, in any way, shape, or form, you really owe it to yourself one summer to go to Vegas for Summer League. I mean, Las Vegas, whether or not you're a gambler, it doesn't really even matter. Just going to Vegas is always an experience, and it's an experience in people watching, it's an experience. It can be an experience in gambling. It can also be an experience in very, very fine dining. And for me, see, I'm not a gambler. When I open the wallet, I want to know that I'm getting something in return. And, you know, betting on cards or roulette or slot machines, there's no way to know that you're going to get any kind of return. On that, So for me, gambling is just like, mm, no, no, really doesn't do anything for me. 
Good restaurants, on the other hand, that will do something for me. And um, Grizzly stayed at the win. Uh, I, I heard, I did not confirm this, but about 10 NBA teams stayed at Wynn uh, Resort. And uh, the food there is just, it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, even, even the sports bar food is fantastic. I think probably, probably the, the dish um, of, of the entire stay was, uh, I was there with my favorite person in the world and we went to the second game, which was the game Grizzlies-Minnesota uh, on Sunday night. And so the game ends, and we're trying to get to the restaurant. It, it's a restaurant called La Cave inside Wynn. They close at 9. We made an 845 reservation, barely made it there in time. And I wasn't aware that it was like a small plates restaurant, and they didn't tell us that. So my favorite person orders uh uh, beef tacos, uh, and then I order uh, some uh, crab ravioli. Well, the plates come out, you know, and my my favorite person gets like two basically street tacos, maybe not even that big, and uh, and I get like three miniature crab ravioli. Now everything was delicious. I mean that that's not the point, but the portions were really really small. We we hadn't eaten for quite a while, um, but the but the evening was bailed out. By dessert, a s'mores flatbread. Okay, so they basically took a, a very plain flatbread crust. It wasn't, you know, spiced up uh, or herbed up, I guess you'd say, if, if you were making a pizza on it. But so flatbread crust, melted chocolate, topped with toasted marshmallows, and then sprinkled with graham cracker crumbs. It was phenomenal. And it wasn't anything it was like, well, you know, hey, yeah, s'mores flatbread, it's a little unusual. Chocolate cake we can get anywhere. Cheesecake we can get anywhere. S'mores flatbread, haven't seen it anywhere else. Let's give it a try. Oh, my word. It was fan-freaking-tastic. And uh, I ran, ran, into, ran into Chris Vernon of Grind City Media, and I was telling him about all the, all the cool places we had gone to eat. He's like, oh, man, that's terrible. I've I just been eating crap the entire time. It's like, well, then make yourself a, re- a reservation at a good restaurant. <laughs> it's just, you, know, you don't have to eat the chicken fingers at Thomas and Mack Center. I mean, you can you know, go for some good stuff. And, and, that, and for me, that's one of the things that I enjoy the most is trying different restaurants uh, there and really had a lot of fun with it. And um, it, just, it just makes everything you know, super enjoyable. The other reason that I, I tell people, look, go to Summer League is first of all it's outside of the airfare which this year was crazy and the room rates which can be crazy depending where you're staying it's 40 bucks a day for a general admission ticket and for those of you who don't know the UNLV campus Thomas and Mack Center I think everybody knows it because of UNLV running rebel basketball uh USA basketball has used it it hosted the all-star game one time It's co-located with a smaller venue called Cox Pavilion, which is essentially a a very large high school gym, Uh, but it does have actual seats rather than bleachers. So you have these two locations. They stagger the start times, and you could have anywhere from six to maybe eight games a day. And once you pay your $40 general admission, you're in. You are in, and what they have done, too, is they've done a remarkable job 
in putting entertainment options and merchandise and other things on the concourses. So if the games aren't particularly good or, you know, if you step out to go to the bathroom or, or you're going to get something from, from one of the concession stands, there might be something else that will, will pique your interest. When you think of how expensive NBA tickets are these days and that you can watch four, six games a day for 40 bucks. Now, granted, it's not the NBA Finals, okay? These are guys that, you know, may be playing in Europe and may never play in the NBA. But still, it's an opportunity to see it. And and you get to see, because what we're seeing now is the veterans come out to support the rookies and the draftees and the free agent guys. So you're going to see some of the biggest stars in the NBA might not be playing, but you're going to see them there. You're going to see the general managers. You're going to see Danny Ainge. You're going to see Jerry West. You're going to see the head coaches. You're going to see them there. Uh, and it's, it's just it's this massive congregation of the NBA. And it's the closest thing that we have to an NBA family reunion. And that is Las Vegas Summer League. And so that's why... When anybody ever asks me about it, I say, look, if you are an NBA, if you are an NBA fan, you do need to go at least once. And if you buy that $40 ticket and you spend the entire day there from afternoon into evening, you might be basketballed out and you may say, OK, that, that's enough. I'm tapping out. But at least you will have had that day to just kind of go full go into that. And uh, and, and I just I heartily re- recommend it. I mean, when. Like I said, for 40 bucks a day. Again, the quality of play, eh, maybe okay. And, you know, sometimes maybe not quite so okay. But still, it's a lot of fun. And definitely, if you're in Vegas, you want to be indoors. Uh, it was 112 degrees pretty much every day. And so we would take our morning walk. We'd walk for four miles and you would try to make sure that your walk was that you were you were done by like nine o'clock and even then it was starting to get a little toasty yeah i know it's a dry heat but still it's just it's uh it's brutal so what came out of this uh like i said we got the interview with jim peterson we're going to air that for you in a little bit in our friend of the program segment uh working on getting an interview with monty mccutcheon to talk about who was actually refereeing these summer league games the recruitment process, the training process, and we'll also uh, do a deeper dive into the transition take foul, which, oh, by the way, was voted in by the Board of Governors. The transition take foul, basically, there's a change in possession. The team that has gained possession, they're in the process of a fast break. They've not run a play, uh, you know, and defender grabs. Okay, that's going to be one shot plus possession, they're just trying to get rid of what was just an ugly, ugly play and breaking up fast break basketball, which I think everybody understands and appreciates as being the very best brand of NBA basketball is when you're playing it with pace and when you're, when you're playing in the open court. So that's been approved. Uh, we're going to do a deeper dive uh, into that with Monty McCutcheon, talk, uh, talk about that rule and its implementation and see if there's anything else going on with the competition committee. That is something that uh, we weren't able to do in person. Hopefully we'll be able to do it via Zoom. My good friend Amin Hassan. you can hear him on Metal Arc Media uh, with Dan Lebetard and his crew. You can also hear him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, we chatted. We uh, we made an appointment to visit, and he had a conflict, and we couldn't do that, but we did have a, a good conversation, not recorded, uh, about the conversation we wanted to do 
have and record. And uh, I said, look, we'll, we'll catch up via Zoom later. So uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get that as well. A couple of things, and, and while, I'm, while I mentioned the transition take file, a couple of bits of, of, of league business, and, and one is that the Board of Governors voted to add that rule, the transition take foul, one shot by anybody in the game at the time of the foul being called, and then possession for the offended team. Everybody loves it. We've been asking for it for a long time. Uh, FIBA got rid of, you know, FIBA put the rule in to get rid of that take foul. They used it on an experimental basis last year in the G League, and now it will become the law of the land as far as the NBA is concerned. Big thumbs up here. Like I said, people like fast break basketball and the transition take foul. Maybe it was smart defensively for, you know, the defending team thinking they weren't going to give up a fast break basket. But how many times did you see a key player just grab somebody and pick up an extra really needless foul? Uh, it just, just didn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the game will be a lot better. Uh, we'll get the transition take file out of the game, and we're all good there. The other thing that the Board of Governors voted in on a permanent basis was the play-in tournament, which... The cynics are saying it's a money grab. The bottom line is what it does is it extends the bandwidth of interest in teams. Instead of one through eight, it's now it's one through 10, maybe 11, as teams try to get into the top 10 so they can be involved in the play-in tournament. So I I don't have an issue with it. I think it's good. I think it adds interest. Um, It adds greater meaning to late-season games where some teams may be tanking or, or, you know, resting players or or however you want to phrase it. So I'm I'm all about the play-in tournament. What I am not all in on is the prospect of a mid-season tournament. This apparently is something that Adam Silver has really, really, really wanted. And I, and I don't know who the other allies and advocates for this are, but I don't, I don't get it that you stop down the season in the middle uh, and you have a tournament. Okay, financial incentives, draft pick incentives, a trophy is not going to incentivize anybody. So how do we do this? And then where do you put it? In the calendar. So if it's really and truly at the halfway point of the season, we're probably doing this, I think, in January. Well, then you so you stop down from the regular season, you play this tournament, however you decide to format it. And then maybe a month later, you go to the all star break. It it just it just I I don't I really I, I have a willing ear, a listening ear to find out exactly why we why this is is being so uh, strongly considered i guess television money uh and, and even that begs the question for the regional sports networks like Bally Sports Southeast if there is a mid-season tournament do we get to cover it or is it going to be a national exclusive those are the things that you know you kind of worry about and the other thing too is for a lot of us who our income is dependent upon how many games we actually do. If there is an in-season tournament, what happens to the 82-game schedule? People are saying 82 games is too much as it is. Now, if you add a mid-season tournament, does the regular season become 72 games? And people who work on a per-game basis see their annual income significantly cut because we have to have a mid-season tournament. And again, if the regional sports networks can't televise it, those of us who work for regional sports networks, financially, we're impacted. National networks get richer. 
I don't know. I really, really want to hear more. This is this is something that there has been momentum building for this midseason tournament. I don't entirely understand it. I don't know how motivated players and teams are going to be to win a, a midseason tournament. What does it mean? There's no tradition behind it. Uh, it would take time for transition, uh, trans, um, a tradition to build. So I'm I'm really curious to see exactly how all this is. Uh, is going to play out. I'm very concerned that uh, we might be going down a direction here that uh, isn't exactly the best. A couple more things from Las Vegas, and uh, we're going to get to those in a moment. But first of all, we want to tell you that the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. Tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. Fuel your fandom. Feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Yes, you heard me correct, dear listener. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action. Baseball, golf. We got the Open going on right now. MMA and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Like I said, the Open is starting over at St. Andrews. So uh, get in on some action with that. Baseball teams, I don't care, Cubs, Braves, Cardinals, whoever it is, you can bet all of it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And we tell you that if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, it's 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. Or you can also text HOPE-NY, and that number is 467-369. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Or in Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. You must be 21 or older, 18 or older in Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Min- only minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And now, back to the program. Uh, small sample size for Summer League. Uh, three games in Salt Lake City. And right now, three in the books for the Grizzlies. They are two and one. Blowout loss to the Clippers. Comeback victory over Minnesota and a blowout over Brooklyn on Tuesday night. One of the things I would like to think is the most encouraging is the way Santi Aldama came back from a very poor performance against the Los Angeles Clippers. Better against Minnesota and frankly phenomenal against Brooklyn on Tuesday night. 
I talked to David McClure, one of the Grizzlies' assistants, who is the head coach for Summer League, and he was pretty pointed in his criticism uh, and critique, probably a better word, for uh, Santi's play against the Clippers. And McClure said, look, we're going to coach him up, and the hope is that he improves. And the issue with Santi is, and this is the issue that I have with the let it fly philosophy, is there are some guys who should have a greener light than others to let it fly. And there have been times where I, I think just frankly, you know, without diving into the numbers, Santi was trying too many threes. Decided to be more aggressive. Decided to be more assertive in the Minnesota game. Very important there. And then, of course, against Brooklyn, he was he was simply unstoppable. And so you, you see that the potential is there for him to be very good. There is going to be an, an opportunity for him and I think for Xavier Tillman as well, with Jaron Jackson Jr. missing time. And the belief was that Santi was going to take a step forward. When you looked at the one game against the Clippers, you were starting to, to wonder if that was going to be the case. Well, hopefully that was the aberration and the Santi Aldama that we saw in the Minnesota game and in the Brooklyn game last night. That's the Aldama that the Grizzlies front office drafted. That's, that's the guy that they really wanted. So... Glad to see that he responded positively uh, because, like I said, the game against the Clippers, not good. Not good. And even in the Minnesota game, I, I want to see Sante be a little bit more aggressive, particularly on the defensive glass. Too many offensive rebounds uh, given up. And uh, he's, he's not the bulkiest guy in the world, but he's got length. He's got a decent amount of strength. I think he needs to be uh, better and more assertive on the boards, and, and that would be a, a big help for him. Obviously, everybody wants to talk about Kenny Lofton Jr., or as everybody calls him, Jr., more than a novelty act. This is a kid that I'm sure teams looked at him and said, hey, he's, he's chubby, he's undersized, you know, how could he possibly be any good at the NBA level? Well, at least in summer league, he's, he is doing some really, really good stuff. And it's going to be intriguing to see how the Grizzlies manage their roster and what you do with Kenny Lofton Jr., uh, kid may end up being a G League All-Star. Now, is he going to spend significant time with the big club? You know, David Roddy is is another guy that is, is certainly going to be bidding for minutes. I've seen him on a steady upward trend in terms of the quality of his play. Jake LaRavia, uh, you know, loved the shot making against the Clippers, really struggled against Minnesota, but got a key basket late. And LaRavia is going to have to figure out, along with the Grizzlies coaching staff, how to get him open looks. Because everybody's going to play him to, to shoot the three ball. So he's going to have to be able to do other things, and the Grizzlies are going to have to uh, scheme to get him open three-point looks. He gets open three-point looks, he's going to knock them down. I thought the Minnesota game was an aberration uh, where he, he really, really struggled. I think he's going to be a fine three-point shooter in this league, but... Uh, again, his ability also to create off the bounce is going to be tested because everybody's be playing him to uh, to take the three point shot. Kennedy Chandler, you know, he's had his ups and downs. Uh, there have been crucial turnovers, but then there have been big defensive plays as well. Could certainly jump out of the gym, uh, help to seal the Minnesota game. Uh, again, he's 19 years old, played one year of college basketball. Will he get some run in the regular rotation? I would kind of doubt it because if you've got John Morant and Tyus Jones, I don't know that there is much 
left in terms of minutes for him, so he may be spending a lot of time in South Haven. Look, there's potential there. And, and this is why, and Amin El-Hassan and I talked about this, we don't get really, really uh, juiced up about the draft. I don't care who you draft. I really care about what you do when you get that player in your program. Can you develop that player? If you draft a player, you figure that he's got some ability, or otherwise you wouldn't draft him. But it's what you do with that player once you get him into your program that to me is the bigger function of a front office and of a coaching staff. And I think Kennedy Chandler, he's got a chance. He's got talent. He's got ability. I think he's a bright kid that uh, the Grizzlies uh, performance team will be able to coach up and, and get him to a point where he can, he can be uh, a more than credible NBA player. Speaking of more than really more than credible NBA players, while uh, the team was in Las Vegas, John Moran officially signed his extension and uh, did a press availability at the Wynn Hotel uh, last Friday. And he's just been great about representing the city, uh, about approaching the game with a chip on his shoulder, but approaching the community with open arms. And, you know, he and Zach Kleiman, it was a, it was a love fest uh, <laughs> during the press conference. And when you sign a deal that big, everybody's going to be really, really happy. Um, I, for those of you who have not read it already, I want to recommend to you the article that Jeff Calkins wrote in the week, in the, uh, in the wake, I should say, of that signing for the Daily Memphian. And it was about the importance of John Morant because there's going to come a time during the course of that contract that there will be some very sensitive negotiations between the Grizzlies and the city of Memphis as to the future of FedEx Forum and how, how the lease agreement works out. The Grizzlies are going to have a little bit of leverage, one would think, uh, because John Morant will be under contract. And as long as John Morant is under contract and he's in Memphis... Chances are really good that this Grizzlies team is going to be very, very good. And right now, if, if these draft picks hit and if the Grizzlies maybe make a, a key trade here or there, uh, this Grizzlies team could have another run where they're, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years in the playoffs. And you hope maybe somewhere in there there's an NBA Finals appearance, if not an NBA championship. And Jeff Calkins was basically saying, look, if there has ever been a more valuable Grizzly than John Morant, you can't name him because he's going to be part of this franchise when the city and the Grizzlies have to sit down and hammer some things out. And the fact that the Grizzlies, particularly with John Morant around, figure to be successful, it's a good thing for the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, those are some of the things that are rattling around uh, what's left of my brain after uh, five days in Vegas and 111-degree heat. Uh, but I, I think overall, look, I think Grizzlies have done well. The uh, the one game against the Clippers, that was an aberration. I don't know how, how David McClure and the Grizzlies are going to approach uh, their final summer league game because um, they're taking on the Boston Celtics. It'll be Thursday at 2.30 in the afternoon at Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, I, I don't know if, if they're really going to go all out and trying to win that game or if you're going to say to Zaire Williams, look, we've seen enough, and I think Zaire has made steps forward and props to Desmond Bain, who went to Vegas, 
had a conversation with Zaire about how to get the most out of Summer League after Bain did exactly that the year prior. Uh, they may have figured out, look, we, we've seen everything that we want to see. Uh, we're going to get some of the end of the bench guys in, get them uh, some runs so that some of the scouts that are in Vegas may end up taking them overseas or, or somewhere else. Speaking of overseas, and one last thing before we get to our friend of the program uh, segment, Chris Pongrass, who had been part of the Grizzlies front office, uh, left a couple years ago to take over the Sydney Kings of the NBL NBL of Australia National Basketball League and he was in Vegas to uh, to do some scouting and it was great to see Chris back in the states and uh, like I said summer league it's just a massive family reunion all right let's get to our friend of the program today it is Jim Peterson Jim has uh, been a longtime analyst on Bally Sports North for Minnesota Timberwolves broadcasts uh, he has also coached the Minnesota Lynx to multiple WNBA championships. And Jim is one of the most respected color analysts in the NBA. Thinks like a coach, approaches it like a coach, does deep dives, knows the entire league as well as anybody in the NBA, and uh, is also one hell of a nice guy. So we had a very, very nice chat before he departed Las Vegas going back to the Twin Cities. Here's our friend of the program, Jim Peterson. Jim, you're here at Summer League in Las Vegas, getting ready to leave. For some of us, Summer League is, I want to see the young guys or maybe do some games or do some social media work. What what did you do here with the Timberwolves? I wanted to connect with our guys. You know, we've got uh, so many things happening right now. Uh, you know, Tim Connolly coming in as, uh, you know, the new president of basketball operations. Um, you know, uh, Del Demps, who... You know, had been with New Orleans for many years. I mean, you know, Dell. He's uh, was with the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, he's he's bounced around. He's with the Utah Jazz as a coach, actually, the last two years. But now they hired Dell into the front office. My son Sanjay uh, works for the Jazz as a player development coach, but he played at Northwestern with Dell Dumps's son uh, for three years. So we've known Dell for a while. Um, you know, Pete, it's about it's about connecting with people and relationships in what we do. You know, we got to connect with people. So. It's a good opportunity. And then we can also say that we were here when we saw, you know, uh, Wendell Moore play his first game. So, uh, you know, the Wolves have had some interesting uh, times here, to say the least. And I think even some of the draft pickups, and, you know, we'll talk about this as we go along here. But, I mean, getting Kyle Anderson is huge for us. Uh, um, there's just been a lot of lot of things happening, a lot of moving parts in our organization. Before we get to the moving parts and the big trade, obviously, involving Rudy Gobert, let's talk a little bit about the series with Memphis because we haven't had a chance to talk about that. That was a series where Minnesota controlled a good portion, at least time-wise, of the scoreboard, and yet the Grizzlies won it in six games. Where do, where do you think that the Timberwolves fell a little bit short given how well they played during the course of that series? Um, I think some of it was, you know, the inexperience. I think that the experience that Memphis got the year before getting into the playing game and then going through that and, and, and the experience that they had helped them. Um, I think that, you know, valuing the basketball and being able to um, execute down the stretch of close ball games is huge. Some, a lot of that is experience, but it's clutch moments. But um, I think mo- most um, of all, I think that we just the lack of size. I think that that's where we really kind of fell short and, you know, Brandon Clark, you know, made a huge difference in that series. I mean, what, what he was able to do in terms of, 
in key stretches in all the games that Minnesota lost in those games, and you mentioned the, the time of possession, how many times Minnesota was up in those games, and really they, they, they really won five games in that series. Um, had they been able to rebound the basketball and protect the rim, they, they couldn't do either one of those two things, which brings us to why they made the trade for Rudy Gobert. I think that Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, he, he gets a bad rap for not being a great defender, although I think that one of the big reasons why the Wolves made a 23-game jump last year was because of Carl Anthony Towns' ability to get up at the point of attack and pick and roll defense and, and impact, impact the basketball. Carl's not like Steven Adams. He's not a drop coverage type of type of big. Like Carl would get cooked at the rim a lot when he played drop coverage. And Finch had this idea of, you know, hey, let's get Carl up at point of attack and let's see if we can start redirecting some of these point guards instead of them coming downhill at him. Um, so Carl was 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 part of the solution, but shot blocking's not one of his things and and you know, Nas Reed is is a decent shot blocker, but um Rebounding, we were small. Uh, you know, Jared Vanderbilt was was a little bit undersized as a power forward, and a lot of times he plays center as well. Um, and so I think that they just made the decision to, you know, if you want to improve defensively, why not bring in a three-time defensive player of the year? And so uh, the Rudy Gobert thing, I think a lot of it was born out of what happened in that Memphis series, Pete, really. Mm-hmm. You lose Patrick Beverly, who is no fan favorite in Memphis, but – just in talking to other people around the organization, his influence on that team and holding guys accountable, was that part of the reason why Minnesota was able to take that leap forward and get into the playoffs? There's no doubt. I mean, like, that's one thing that, you know, Benz and I would talk about all the time in our broadcast. We would, you know, kind of like when you go, you know, we have the luxury of being able to go to practice and see what goes on. And so um, you see what's real and what's not real. And so when you see Patrick Beverly not just holding the players accountable. Pat Beverly's holding the coaches accountable. If the coaches aren't, you know, ex- accentuating the correct coaching points, if if they aren't holding players accountable, he would get on them for not holding them accountable. Um, and so, you know, it was a little different than what Jimmy Butler was. You know, the last time Minnesota made the playoffs um, before the our Memphis series uh, was, you know, when Jimmy Butler was here with Tibbs. And uh, Jimmy had more of an adversarial relationship with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. I think that's that's an understatement, probably. <laughs> um, where Patrick Beverly was was more supportive, and I think that he he really got the got the most out of guys. And so it's it's going to be a big loss for us to have a guy that you know. And wherever Pat's been, he's been um, a, a guy that's that's uh, brought a winning attitude. Um, he did it with the Clippers and gave them an edge. He he came to Minnesota and gave us an edge and gave us an identity. Um, but you know, in order to get a Rudy Gobert, you got to give up something. So I mean, you know, we were able to acquire you know a player like Gobert without without giving up any of our core pieces. We didn't give up Towns. We didn't give up Edwards. Um, we didn't give up Jaden McDaniels, which you know are huge pieces of our future. And then and then D'Angelo Russell as well. What about the point guard situation? Because that was something that when Brevin and I were analyzing the series, not having the true point guard seemed to hurt Minnesota. Is Are you in concurrence with that? And, and, and then how does Chris Finch and, and the front office go about addressing that going into next season? It's a great question. Um, you know, D'Angelo's coming up in a contract situation, so he does have another year left, but then he's up after that. I think he's extension eligible, eligible, and, and and wants to be taken care of. 
Uh, Minnesota's, you know, got a, a lot of money tied up in two centers, which I think a lot of teams are. Um, I mean, this is we we're a very unique situation from, from that standpoint. Um, D'Angelo Russell's been a max guy, but I don't think he's going to be able to get max money if he wants to stay relevant in this league. I just don't think that he's viewed as a max guy at this point. And that's nothing, you know. I'm not disparaging D'Angelo. He's he's an incredible point guard, but. Um, I just think that in, in our situation, you can't give him the max and be able to have Anthony Edwards, who's going to be coming up for an extension as well. Uh, we've got Naj Reed, who's going to be going to be up. Jalen Noel is going to be up, and, and that's an interesting thing too because by trading, uh, we didn't really talk about Jalen Noel, and you know him, but a lot of fans don't know him. Jalen Noel was you know Pac-12 Player of the Year when he came out of college three years ago. Um, and he's been sort of toiling between G League and, and you know you know playing you know with us uh, up and down. He's been up and down a lot. Um, but with Malik Beasley gone now, who was traded to Utah, it gives Jalen Noel an opportunity to play more of a starting role, and he can handle. So he can initiate offense. So you're talking about point guards, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, who's so dynamic for us, who is another one of those finds that you know Gerson Rosas brought in from Brooklyn from their G League team, um, and who who just flourished. Jordan McLaughlin was a real irritant in that mm-hmm. in that Memphis yeah, series. Yeah. Um, um, so between D'Angelo Russell, Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel can handle, initiate, and can create. Um, you know, I think you're going to see Carl Anthony Towns handle the basketball. Anthony Edwards can handle the basketball, initiate. He doesn't like to do it, but I think he's growing into that role a little bit. So it's kind of like, you know, we don't have the classic – point guard situation that Memphis does. I mean, you guys are the, the envy of the NBA to have someone as dynamic as Jaw and as solid as Tyus. I mean, getting Tyus re-signed was huge for you guys. Um, Tyus has always been one of my favorite players. I've I've grown up, my son Sanjay played against Tyus growing up. I've watched Tyus play since he's been 13, 14 years old, and all he is is a winner. Um, so while we would like to have a Memphis system of point guards, um, we, we're going to have to probably, Finchie's going to have to figure out a way to be a little bit more creative. And then you're certainly going to have a unique situation that the Grizzlies would not have in terms of the five man and the four and the five man as a combination. Last thing for you, Jim, obviously you played in the league for a long time. We're now seeing a player empowerment era where guys are trying to force trades and I only want to go to a team if they've got two other all-stars, et cetera, et cetera. How does that resonate with you as a former player when the economics were entirely different and the CBA was entirely different? And then to see a player like Kevin Durant say, well, uh, I went to Brooklyn. I don't really like the situation here. I want to go somewhere else. I love it for the players. I hate it for the fans. You know, I think that um, what, and I, I, one of the things that we grew up, you and I are in, in the same sort of like era of growing up as, in basketball and sports fandom. We liked it when our players stayed with franchises and it kind of gave teams an identity. There also were natural rivalries that came out of those players staying in those in those situations too. The natural rivalries are kind of going away. I mean, we're in a situation now where we're seeing UCLA and USC coming into the Big Ten. I mean, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Right. Uh, and it doesn't make any much more sense than Rutgers coming into the Big Ten as well. And, and or Maryland. having, Maryland, having yeah. Maryland come in. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's about money, unfortunately. Um, I, I do like the player empowerment because there have been so many situations where players are, um, they're, they're traded um, by management and they have no say in what they do and where their workplace is. Um, I, I do like the ability to be able to, 
have a little player in parliament, let them decide where they want to play because I, I think that that's fair. But I just hate it for the fans because fans get invested and um, and really at the end of the day, I think you and I as as, as broadcasters, we have our pulse on the on the fans um, because we're so cognizant, whether it's through social media or them coming up to us and talking, we have a really good handle of, of what, how fans are feeling. And I think that, that from that standpoint, uh, I think it makes me sad because fans get attached to guys and, and, and uh, the, the, the player empowerment has kind of impacted that. Jim, great to finally catch up with you. Have a safe uh, trip back to the Twin Cities, and we'll see when the schedule comes out, when the Grizzlies and Timberwolves get to meet this series season. Always love seeing you and Brevin, Pete. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Um, obviously, I'm com- sad about Ben's I- talking. We have a really good handle of, of what, how fans are feeling, and I think that, that from that standpoint – uh, I think it makes me sad because fans get attached to guys and and, and uh, the, the, the player empowerment has kind of impacted that. Jim, great to finally catch up with you. Have a safe uh, trip back to the Twin Cities, and we'll see when the schedule comes out, when the Grizzlies and Timberwolves get to meet this series season. Always love seeing you and Brevin, Pete. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Always good to talk to Jim Pete, get his uh, take on what's going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Very intriguing Season upcoming for Minnesota with this Twin Towers lineup with both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, presumably in the starting lineup. How are they going to mesh together? D'Angelo Russell, very good score, not a a point guard uh, in the purest sense of the word. So how are they going to work their offense? I think Chris Finch will have quite a challenge to, uh, you know, deal with those roster situations and trying to build on a successful last season and uh, see if they can get themselves a playoff series win. Our thanks to Jim Peterson for stopping by. Also, our thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook and Hoop City Basketball Club for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.